Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to Small Business Digest Radio. My name is Don Mazzella, and I am your host for a program devoted to identifying strategies and suggestions to help small business managers increase profits, add sales, better manage cash flow, improve employee management, and streamline operations. Our guests are other entrepreneurs and experts offering their solutions to the problems and opportunities facing small business leaders. Our aim in each program is to provide one or two thought-provoking ideas or suggestions. So follow us on Twitter at hashtag 2SBDigest or at our website at www.smallbusinessdigest.net. You know, this is the first week of the new year. And every small business uh, starts off op- optimistic in the new year. Uh, hopefully, uh, our listeners uh, feel that way. I certainly do. And it should be better than 2014. Uh, we've brought together some interesting people to talk about the, the outlook for 2015. We're going to start off first with Steve Friedman. He's in the Employees Benefit pa- Practice Group and co-chair of Litter Mendelssohn. Steve, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, I... Um... Go ahead, Steve. Well, thank you. I am the, um, as Thomas, I'm the co-chair of the practice group at Littler Mendelssohn. We're the nation's largest law firm that specializes entirely in employment and employee benefits-related matters. And um, what we're seeing employers uh, certainly concerned a lot about is the Affordable Care Act and the impact that it's going to have on on, on their businesses. There's an awful lot of concern about the cost of the act and an awful lot of concern about how their businesses may need to change in connection with the act. And um, we're dealing with uh, our clients, many of which are small businesses, every single day. Uh, it's certainly a problem we're all facing. What do you see happening uh, this year? Well, this year is the first year of what we call the employer mandate under the Affordable Care Act. The Affordable Care Act has been around since 2010, but this is the first year that employers must either cover employees or at least offer them coverage or pay penalties. And it's an interesting year because For small businesses, not all small businesses that ultimately are going to have to comply with this law, they don't all need to comply this year. What the government did was they they put this employer mandate in place in two stages. So this year, the law affects essentially folks that have more than 100 full-time employees. And next year, it will affect businesses with more than 50 employees full-timers, and so there's a big jump down next year, and, and the 50-employee threshold stays intact in for all remaining years. So this year what we see businesses with more than 100 employee, more than 100 full-time employees doing is assessing 
how this act is changing their costs, essentially. And what we see an awful lot of businesses doing is trying to minimize the number of full-timers that they have because you don't need to cover folks who aren't full-time under this act. And full-time for these purposes is uh, 30 hours or more a week as, um, as, as a schedule. So it's interesting, uh, you know, we're, we're seeing business sort of move in a direction that we haven't seen them move in. Uh, and that is sometimes slowing down their growth by slowing down hiring and slowing down their growth by hiring folks who are part-timers rather than full-timers. So it's, and, and so it's going to be a very interesting year because this is the first year that this act will really have the full effect on a lot of small businesses. Well, uh, isn't uh, also some people trying trying in Congress to uh, uh, redefine it to a forty-hour work week? Well, yes, we've seen a lot of attempts in Congress to do a lot of different things with the Affordable Care Act. One of the things that might have a chance of succeeding is the change of the definition of full-time from 30 hours to something more than 30 hours. The, the Republicans, of course, you know, have repealed the act you know, umpteen times in Congress, and obviously that hasn't had any real effect on, on, um, on businesses because um, there's been no move by the president to change the act at all. You know, and, and, and so the 40-hour work week, another Republican initiative, may be one of those tests of bipartisanship and cooperation that we see this year. You know, will it happen? It's anybody's guess, but, um, you know, you're, you're correct to focus on that because if there's one thing where there might be a chance of there being some give on the administration's part, it might be the 40-hour work week. Well, that's encouraging. That's the first encouraging word I've had on it. It's one of the big uh, – the, the reason I bring it up is uh, in our emails from our listeners and uh, uh, our readers is the, the fact that the, that 30-hour minimum uh, is, is something that really bothers them. And uh, our surveys show that, that as well, that they are uh, – uh, be are very reluctant to go, to add employees, but what else can a, a small business do this year to minimize the impact of this upcoming uh, change? Well, you know, and 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 just to harp a little bit on the um, forty-hour work week issue, when when this law was passed, not a business in the world considered part-time to be thirty hours a week. And so it was just one of these things where every business has had to change its record-keeping practices and do things differently for its health care plans than it does with respect to every other aspect of its business. So it's really kind of interesting. But, you know, what else are employers doing? Um, apart from slowing down their, the, the growth by, by um, not hiring folks and hiring part-timers, they're also looking to hire people who, um, or I shouldn't say hire, but, but to have people work for them who won't work as employees at all. Maybe they'll work as independent contractors. Maybe they'll get them from leasing firms or, or staffing agencies where they can say, hey, these folks aren't my common law employees. 
Now, that's a very dangerous move sometimes because the government might not see things the same way they do. And the government has made it very, very clear that it may look at uh, the question of who's a common law employee under what it calls its common law um, tests where, where it takes into account many different factors dealing with control, who's doing what, who, who's taking orders from whom. And it may consider employees, um, or consider workers, I should say, who are working in a business from a firm or you know, leasing firm or independent contractors as the common law employees of that business. And that could really be deleterious to the business because the, the way that the um, Affordable Care Act works, you're allowed to have certain full-time employees who aren't covered under the act and still sort of get away with it and not have to pay a penalty tax. This year, you're allowed to have 30% of your full-time employees not covered, and you won't get hit with a big penalty tax. There may be other taxes that, that apply, and, but, but next year, you have to cover 95% of your full-time employees. So if you were to go out and hire other workers who you're considering not, uh, you know, other than full-time employees, but if the government comes in or, or, or these employees take you to court or there's some other um, determination that they are full-time employees, that could pull you down under the threshold and, and make you liable for, for a tax when you didn't think you'd be liable for a tax. So we're, we're advising uh, caution. Uh, which is a good watch for it. I just saw today ADP released the figures for December, and a majority of the new hires in December were small businesses, but it was still under the average for last year, um, uh, the average monthly. Uh, and uh, ironically, franchising. Uh, would you want to comment on the McDonald's uh, issue where the, uh, the neighbor, uh, I, I believe it was the NLRB, uh, ruled that uh, a franchisee of McDonald's was just part of one big group, and hence uh, they became uh, involved uh, in the, as the total number of employees uh, for McDonald's rather than individual companies. Yeah, this is actually an issue that's an enormous issue because organizations don't necessarily know who they have to include as full-time employees. And basically what the IRS has consistently said is you've got to look at your entire controlled group. And that can be a very, very tricky um, determination, who's in your controlled group. But, but basically what that franchisee was facing was this um, determination that the control group was bigger than it thought it would be, and that would bring it into the uh, rubric of uh, being covered under the Affordable Care Act and having to cover everybody. And so we always tell small businesses, you know, do an analysis, go to a tax person, go to somebody who can really tell you who's in your control group, who's out of your control group. It's a, it's a difficult determination sometimes because – if you own a piece of one business and a piece of another business, you, you might find out that you've got a bigger control group. And if that group added all, you add up all the full-timers, if they're over 100, and sometimes even if they're under 100 but you've got a lot of part-timers, you can get over that 100 threshold. And next year that threshold will be 50. You might be in the soup. Well, let's bring in our second panelist, Tom Wheelwright, who's a CPA and CEO of ProVision. 
and he's a leading tax and wealth uh, expert. Tom, welcome to the program. Ah, thanks very much. Uh, happy to be on the on the show, and 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 really happy to to listen to Steve because I think that um, you know his topic, of course, uh, is is going to be a big issue from a tax standpoint this year, and a big issue for. I mean, there are a lot of issues in the Affordable Care Act. Um, you know, I, I run a, a, a large international CPA firm um, based out of Phoenix, and um, we're going to see we're, we're going to see some issues with the IRS because of the Affordable Care Act. I think we're going to see a lot of delays in forms and refunds, and um, and there's there's issues with really small employers. Uh, we actually have an issue where if we have a husband and wife and they're the only employees that they can end up with a big penalty uh, based on um, it's just a, a bizarre situation where they can end up with penalties um, that are huge in the thousands and thousands of dollars because the husband and wife, um, whereas if it's a single employee, um, just the husband or just the wife, we're okay, but if it's a husband and wife, now we've got an issue. So um, I, I think we're going to see some major issues on the Affordable Care Act um, for small businesses anywhere from two employees all the way up to 100-plus. Really, I'd like to explore that further. But first, I want to acknowledge that Steve Freeman is uh, is standing by. Um, I'm sorry, Mark Lowenstein is standing by. He's the director of uh, marketing and merchant cash. And he's going to talk on the financial side, but we're, uh, but I'm asking him to to be patient for a few minutes while we we explore this further. So um, uh, I'm going to uh, invite him in. Uh, Mark, welcome to the show, and be patient. We'll be with you in just a few minutes. Okay, Mark. Don, this Hello. is Bernie. I'm, I'm sorry. This is this is Bernie Perine, the CEO of Social. Yes. Uh, okay, Bernie. Well, I'm uh, sorry. Uh, my engineer sent me the, the wrong thing, but uh, stand by, and we'll have you on in a few minutes. No worries. No worries. Okay, Tom. Let's get back to you because you've opened a very interesting uh, door that I hadn't been aware of. And I'd like to explore it because uh, uh, 59% of our audience are small uh, small business owners and or presidents. So you're saying that uh, even in the smallest company now, we're, we're facing problems. Yeah, I, I think everybody's got to be aware of this. And, and I think that Steve make, makes a good point. What you do is you sit down with your uh, tax advisor and you do it early. Um, you, we're, we're going to have um, – the IRS has said that we're going to have big delays. They uh, actually um, have said that this is going to be the most difficult filing season, tax filing season since the 1980s um, because we have a combination of the Affordable Care Act that's going into place this year. And in, on top of that, of course, we have the, um, the tax extension bill that was signed at the end of December that um you know those those require forms and and all sorts of changes so we're going to have to be really patient with the IRS I think um but I think that that this is a time when don't um you know don't wait uh you know don't be thinking well I'm going to file an extension anyway I would get with your tax preparer pretty early on and make sure that uh you're 
you're looking at things like Affordable Care Act, um, looking at these extensions that, you know, the tax extenders, they only they extended for three days, right, because they only yeah. was 2014. So now we have 2015, we're looking at really tax reform. Um, we need to look at the bipartisan uh, question here. Are we going to have real tax reform? Uh, you know, Obama says he's going to have – He's he's gonna he's gonna really pay attention to the Republicans. Um, if if he does, then we might actually see tax reform in the next two years. It, it would be a first since 1986, but um, it is top on his agenda. I know it's top on the agenda of both the, the Senate and the House, and uh, we do need to do something about these these um, extension provisions that are, you know, they keep getting rolled one year, two years. And nobody knows what to do with them, and, and a lot of them do apply to small businesses, whether it's the Section 179 deduction for equipment, or the bonus depreciation, or the research and development credit. Um, all of these things affect the small business owner. Well, let me put you out on the limb. Do you think it's going to be better or worse for small business in 2015? <laughs> uh, and, uh, uh, Steve, you can let, 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 jump in. Let, Go ahead. Let, let me let me let me let me take an approach to that. I I think it's going to quite frankly I think it depends on what the small business owner does and 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 what their tax advisor does. Um what the 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 challenge that I run into um that I see with a lot of small business owners is that their tax advisors they uh, a lot of times a small business owner will outgrow their tax advisor. In other words, they're progressing but their tax advisor is not. So what happens is is that they're not planning um, regardless of what happens. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. I mean, the, the tax law is essentially nothing more than a series of incentives for business owners, and particularly the small business owner. And so you can plan out what you're going to do. The fundamentals of the tax law will never change. You know, people talk about flat tax. They talk about... Uh, tax reform, I'm sorry, but w- w- we've looked at this back to, you know, 1939. The fundamentals of the tax law have never changed. There are a series of incentives. You follow the incentives. You look at, will those incentives change? Absolutely. They're, they're going to change, but the fundamental um, underline, underpinnings of the tax law are not going to change, and that is that if you put your money back into your business, you're going to get a tax benefit. If you take your money out of your business, you're going to pay tax. And so there, there's some very simple things to follow, and you, you, can, you can do good tax planning regardless of what changes are coming down the road. So I think it's more to do with what you do with your tax advisor than in, in planning for what's coming than it is to do with anything Congress or the president does in tax reform. I mean, you look back in 1986. I was in Washington, D.C. in 1986 when that act was passed. And, you know, there were winners and losers. Um, there was a broadening of the base. We, we got down to two tax rates, if you remember. Um, that, I guess that's possible that that could happen again. But again, what will happen, the same thing will happen, is that you know, Congress will get its mitts on it, we'll, we'll have uh, new, new tax benefits, new things will happen, we'll get, um, you know, lobbyists will have their way. And so um, as, long as, you, uh, as long as you're really looking at the fundamentals of your business and you're, you're, you're reinvesting in your business, you're um, taking it. You're understanding what the tax law says and how to get the most deductions out of your business. Um, it's 
it's not that difficult to have some serious tax benefits, regardless of what Congress does. Well, uh, uh, Steve, do you want to jump in and say, uh, what do you think, better or worse for 2015? You know, I um, I, I wish I had brought my tarot cards with me, or you know, it's very, very hard. <laughs> you know, believe it or not, we 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 see things as broader than the. Affordable Care Act. When it comes to the Affordable Care Act, you know you got to say that things are going to get worse than they than they have been because the Absolutely. the costs are are, are are so much higher. Um, but you know we still have a vibrant economy. We all, you know at Littler Mendelssohn, we deal with all sorts of employment law related issues. Frankly, we're seeing a lot of layoffs this time of year, um, and you know that's a little bit surprising. Um, you know I'm not really sure. If things are great for business, you know, as, as, as good for business as the market, apart from this week, might suggest, um, because we are seeing a lot of um, a lot of activity with businesses and uh, and folks getting terminated from employment. So it's a very very tough call. You know, we see uh, a, a tough call uh, to make, but 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 hard times because of Obamacare. And then it, it does appear that there's um, some some business. Um, you know, I, I would love to be completely optimistic, but it, there, there 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 may be um, some clouds on the horizon. Unfortunately, I happen to be uh, agreeing with you, Bernie. Um, Bernie, are you on? I am. Hi, this is. Uh, Bernie, Hello? introduce yourself, please. Sure. My name is Bernie Preen. I'm the CEO of Social Centive, a social media marketing tool. Well, uh, you're on this program because uh, the the biggest, the other big issue that uh, uh, small businesses are are facing is this changing world of uh, social media and everything else. So we, we've had two two financial people on. Um, uh, uh, we have you on, and we also have a third person on. Well, uh, uh, or actually a fourth person. Please introduce yourself. Hi, this is Mark Lowenstein with Merchant Cash and Capital. Hi, Mark. Uh, you're going to talk about uh, lending and financing. So, uh, yes, sir. Mark. Bear with us a minute while we talk with Bernie, and then uh, we're going to have you come on and talk uh, as well, and then we're going to have a, a, a five-way discussion, four panelists and myself, uh, hopefully interactive. There's something we do okay. occasionally, and, and it requires a forbearance on the part of our panelists sometimes. So, Bernie, uh, what do you think is going to happen in 2015? When it comes to all of this new, new uh, world that we're, we're all uh, in, uh, and uh, I, as a small business, am learning every day and finding out how much I don't know. Well, I think what's vexing for small business owners, and it's not dissimilar from the talk about healthcare and some of the other conversations, is how to handle um, social media and the explosion of that from a consumer standpoint. You know, there are 500 million tweets a day in the U.S represented by consumers. And so the marketing challenge for um, a small restaurant or a coffee shop or a retailer boutique 
is how to capture those relevant conversations and then be able to market to those very specific, very geo-targeted, very relevant consumers in real time. And so the challenge is similar, again, as I said earlier, is what does a business do about that? Because in this case, it's not the legislative rules that have changed as it has in healthcare, but it's the marketing rules and the marketing landscapes that's changed dramatically. Well, tell us how it's changed and and what uh, small business can anticipate in this this year. They can expect more and more conversations to happen on social media and less and less energy around conventional media. For example, we have customers that are generating, on average, a 34% conversion rate, meaning a conversation with a consumer takes place and that consumer acts on that offer an average of 34% of the time, which is high as high as 58% with a national chain like Papa John's. So if you compare that 58% conversion rate that a consumer enjoys and downloads an offer via these social media, compare that to a 98% failure rate or 2% in direct mail. And small business owners have to recognize that opportunity. And using software like ours and others allow them to geotarget, specifically attach offers to those consumers, and then drive businesses to their local stores. You know, I've heard that before, and you're absolutely right. But what my small business audience tells us is, well, how do we do it? How do we find the right people to help us do it? And uh, how do we measure that success? Well, actually, that's what our software does. It enables keyword-based and geo-targeted conversations to take place. So if you say you're hungry, for example, we're able to respond to that conversation about being hungry with some type of a call-to-action offer from a restaurant or a coffee shop in real time as you're thinking about what to do for your lunch plans. The same thing with travel. So if you're traveling to um, off to New York, you might we have a client at the New Yorker Hotel that could actually speak to that consumer about, hey, how about staying at the New Yorker Hotel? Here's an offer for 15% off of your stay. And it takes software to do that because it's software that enables the, the mass marketing of that. And that's what our algorithms, our four patents, and our four million lines of code actually do. Well, well you know, I'm IT challenged. Uh, and, you know, people have talked to me about that, and I've seen uh, demonstrations, I've gone to shows. <laughs> but uh, but uh, there seems to be a reluctance on the part of small businesses to, to really embrace this. Do you expect this year that that will change? Uh, it's going to have to simply because people that do embrace that and do understand how to utilize and leverage the technology to directly – communicate with those consumers are going to win the day. They're just simply going to take those consumers away from people who are hesitant to do that. But that's also why we had to construct software to make it so easy for a small business. Okay. Well, let's, let's go on to my – you're talking about the marketing. Mark's going to talk about um, lending and what's going on in that marketplace. Mark, welcome to the program. And uh, – um, my first question is, tell us a little bit about yourself and your company. Mark? Oh, I'm sorry. I had to, I apologize about that. Um, so I'm Director of Marketing for Merchant Cash and Capital. I've been with the company for about eight years, and I started off in sales and commercial sales and have moved on into the marketing side of the business and I handle 
customer acquisition and commercial advertising and, and PR. Uh, so I get a it's a it's a good spot to be in for the company because I get to work with all our different departments. Uh, Merchant Cash and Capital itself is a alternative finance company for small medium sized businesses, and we specialize in areas of, of small business such as service, retail, like auto service, restaurants, medical, uh, tanning salons, franchises. So you know, we've got a, a, a tap into the small business owner market, which a lot of, traditionally speaking, a lot of the, the banks and traditional finance companies um, shy away from because the transactions are typically smaller. Well, um, I saw um, I saw from a study that you fellows did, and from other places, that more and more small businesses are turning to alternative lending, uh, like yourself. Is that a trend you expect to continue this year? And what what are what are some of the things that you've uh, uh, learned or, or project for this year? Sure. No, that's absolutely a trend we're starting to see. Um, as as the economy has started to change over the past few years, uh, most of our financing, commercial financing, has lowered as well, which is has able to, you know has enabled us to open the doors to lower costs to our customers and spread our our net much much wider to new industry types and different types of of credit cri- criteria merchants. So we've seen a, a significant growth over the past few years. We've doubled since 2013 and 14, and you know, just just speaking of of what we see looking into 2015, we're noticing a trend that a lot of the younger business owners are turning towards alternative financing, which is interesting. We we found that 14% of millennial small business owners have turned to non-traditional lending services, according to the recent Bank of America survey. And it's substantially more than the older generations. Only 1% of baby boomers and 3% of Gen Xers have received funding from non-traditional lenders. So it's been an interesting trend in the growth of our business to see much, much younger small business owners turning to alternative financing. And it may be because the, 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 the older generations don't know about the product, as Bernie was alluding to, using social media and getting this content. Maybe it could be because of their lack of, of uh, access to the information. So as we see social media pick up and spread the word and educate the younger generations through the Internet, as I manage our marketing and our social media efforts, um, I'd like to, to look forward to 2015 and spreading that word and the education to the older generations and helping us grow um, you know, our customer base that way. Well, I'll go back to Steve first. Uh, Steve, uh, what do you see in terms of financing for your clients? Um, uh, do you see any trends? Do you see any anything that uh, pertains to this? No, we we really don't get involved on the financing side all that much. Um, you know, but 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 we've you know generally seen over the past few years um, you know fairly healthy. Businesses, you know, coming out of the um, out of the recessionary environment that that preceded it, and um, you know the, the 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 degree to which businesses have money, we we see 
that in what has historically been a couple of very good years for hiring and for you know healthy um, you know apart from what the Affordable Care Act's been doing, um, you know fairly healthy business uh, relationships with um, b- between employers and employees. Something that really went downhill 2008, nine, and ten. Um, so um, you know hopefully that that will continue. Well, uh, Tom, uh, you're dealing with the companies. Uh, are, are you seeing any trends, uh, alternative uh, uh, lending, or or how, what are the trends that you've seen? Well, um, thanks for asking. Yeah, we have um, we have literally thousands of clients. Um, they're all small small businesses. So, what I, I think what what they're seeing is that. The, the alternative financing. I mean, even even though something like, um, you know, uh, crowd uh, uh, crowdfunding, um, you know, when when you're going out and raising capital at ten dollars a pop, um, that's something that is very, very. I think part of the reason that, uh, uh, you know, Mark's seen. I would guess that Mark's seen um, a trend towards the younger, the millennials, especially to alternative financing is because they have access. I mean, they just understand. I think it goes directly to the other the other question, the social media, because I think that they're very very related. That the the younger crowd does um they they get the internet. They get that they they don't feel restricted by what we've been taught. Uh you know, you and I we've been we've been taught all our lives where you go to a bank for financing. Well the problem is banks don't lend. You know the banks have all sorts of liquidity, but we all know that they're not they're not lending that liquidity because the the Fed's giving them more uh, a greater benefit to sit on it than to lend it. So right, right. I think that the, the, I think the younger people I think they they've figured it out. Well, why you know why would we go and do something traditional? They're not going to give us money. We, you know I'm, you know a 28 year old's not going to go into a bank and the bank says yeah here here's a you know here's five hundred thousand dollars. They're not going to do that. So they go. We'll go figure it out, and that's what I love about um, about that generation is because they're not afraid of anything, and that's what we find that we have a lot of clients. They're multimillionaires, and they're in their 20s, and it's because they've figured out the Internet. They've figured out the social media. They've figured out the alternative financing, and they're not restricted the way those of us who are baby boomers were. You know, we grew up in that restrictive era. It's not restrictive like that anymore. I just think they see the opportunity better, and, and I think and they're going to continue to. And, and this is Bernie, and I think, though, it's very important for the financial services industry to realize that these startups, including our own, will at some point need conventional lending to grow, conventional financing to grow. And so it's not to give up hope for that initial seed round, but it's rather how do they position themselves for as those companies mature and develop into market and real-life sustainable businesses that the financial services industry understands that and does abandon that entire part of the audience. Well, yeah, I agree. It's, uh, who's that? Who agrees? That, that was Tom. I, I totally okay. agree with that assessment. Yeah, and, and I well, just want to say – you know, something that Tom mentioned, this is Mark from Richard Cash Capital. I just want to mention, you know, that the, as the banks have tightened up, even though sort of the world and the business community and consumers around feel like everything has loosened up, um, you know, it's it, it, it's it's a bit of a catch-22 in, in many different ways. I mean, the banks advertise, come on into the bank, we'll lend your business money. The SBA just announced that for 2015, 
they're zeroing out fees for loans less than $150,000. Now, the banks and, and these SBA-sponsored loans that are funded through the banks, are they're advertised and enticing, but then, you know, as Tom was saying, you get into the bank and you get declined. And it's it's a lot of it's a lot of wasted time and and you know the the millennials as as Tom was mentioning have, have sure figured out a way to to cut through that and educate themselves on alternatives to to financing and I think that's going to be really important in 2015. A lot more business owners are turning directly to alternative financing as opposed to walking into the bank store. Well, what do you mean by zeroing out? They're they're lowering their fees. To increase their SBA loans under 150,000. So the SBA, the SBA is, is is known for financing larger loans, and it's a very tough process to get approved. There's a lot of there's a lot of application time. There's a lot of application documents required. Um, whether you're talking about P and Ls and balance sheet and time in business, it's very strict requirements and. The average SBA loans in, in a lot of different categories are in three to four hundred thousand category, and a lot of the banks, you know, just it, it, essentially they they don't make any money on the lower the lower volume loans. They don't make any money on a loan that's less than a hundred thousand dollars. It's not good, essentially profitable paper for them. It probably costs more money for them to underwrite and to fund. Than they than the bank would make on the money as as you know I, I forgot who the the uh, panelist was who mentioned earlier the banks make more money by sitting on it than giving it out so the larger loans have really been uh, funded by the SBA and I think they're looking for a way to get into the smaller market and zeroing out their fees and trying to entice the the, the small business owner to come back into the bank store and get these types of loans. Well. Uh, you know, it's interesting. There's a, a study done that said um, 33 percent of of the uh, younger entrepreneurs under 30, <coughs> 35 haven't even uh, considered applying for. Um, uh, I'm sorry, the other way around. The older people now, 33 percent said that they would not uh, go to a bank for a loan because they they don't expect to get it, and 48 percent of those under 35 thought uh, wouldn't even consider it, and they thought that number was rising. So you're kind of confirming that uh, study, if I'm hearing right. That's absolutely right. I, you know, the the approval rating for most of these loans are the teens. You know, it's 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 outrageous because you know it seems so attainable, but then you get in the door and. Even if you can figure out how to apply with all the documents and and requirements, you, you could wait two months to get the client. And a lot of business owners who need working capital, especially when it's for fifty thousand or seventy-five thousand or hundred thousand, weathering a storm, purchasing inventory, going in, into seasonal, you know, periods, they need money fast. You know, and it, and it really hurts these uh, it really hurts these business owners to to go through the process just to get the client. And I think that's part of the education. Uh, Bernie, we're going to go to you. Uh, education. How, uh, do you do you see um, 
uh, this education curve moving up upward in terms of social media and all of the things required? I, I do, but I'll just I'll even up-level that just a little bit and view it as from a startup standpoint. Because in essence, my background is I'm one of the founding partners of Kinko, so I've driven through all of that. This, lo- this new startup for us um, is very different in that people are communicating real-time about opportunities and about way to capture either support or intellectual capital or money or funding, all of those kind of things. They're doing it real-time on LinkedIn, talking about, for example, what's the best way to raise money. And they're talking to entrepreneurs around the world. They're not talking about going to a bank and sitting down in front of a bank and saying, hey, I need to start this business. They're talking real-time to people that are having real-time conversations who have either done it, done it and failed at it, done it and want to do it differently. And so those conversations are taking place in real-time on social media. So it's not just about what I, what I do, which is help putting consumers into businesses. It's about conversations. Yeah, and that, that's a critical point. That's a critical point. Let me move on uh, to an interesting um, statistic. I don't know if you're aware that there were more uh, businesses for sale last year than at any time in the last 15 years proportionally. And the majority of those businesses were in uh, older entrepreneurs who were trying to sell their businesses uh, because in most cases their children didn't want to go into them. Uh, does anybody want to comment on that? I'll take one stab. I think that one of the one of the drivers, and this is this is just purely anecdotal. One of the drivers was the collapse in 2008. So businesses became so devalued or went out of business altogether that people who were wise enough to kind of stay the course, if you will, and maybe not be able to maximize it on a given day in 2010, but rather wait to 2012, 2013, 2014, when the company's valuations have started to increase again. The IPO markets have turned up, so there's a lot, I think there's a lot of causal factors to that. But I do think it was the valuations were just so low that people tried to hold on as long as they could. But that's just my point of view. Well, and, and I, I, th- I think what what we also have, this is Tom, uh, obviously what we also have is we have a lot, I mean, a lot of money is with baby boomers, and it's the baby boomers that are selling. I think I think it's going to be an accelerating rate of them trying to sell because if the younger generation, if they're going, well, I don't want the sticks and bricks. Okay, I don't want I, I don't want a sticks and bricks business. I want an internet business. I want something that is more, you know, like what I like doing, which is being in front of a computer. Then if 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 the if the young generation is not making that translation for the older generation, the older generation basically is going, well, I've got to get out. And I think I think Bernie's right is that, you know, if you go, well, wait a minute, what if we have another downturn and you hear a lot of talk about the next downturn is going to be way bigger than the last downturn. Well, if we do that, then I'm done. I'm I'm out. And where we had such big IPOs last year, you had a lot. I mean, you got a ton of money in the market. I mean, you had QE one, two, three, four, and forever. And so there's a lot of money out there. So why not? I think a lot of business owners are looking baby boomers. Um, you know, it's not now when. And if I the longer I wait, the more risk I have. But there isn't going to be a market for my business. Well, Tom, uh, tell us again who you are and your company. So I'm the CEO of ProVision uh, Wealth. We're a CPA firm uh, headquartered in Phoenix, uh, Arizona. We serve clients all over the world. And uh, we we do a lot of work with um, the, the 
all of our work is with small businesses, entrepreneurs, and a lot of it we're finding more and more with internet um, internet marketing businesses. And so um, I, I just think that if I, I just want to echo what Bernie's saying, um, uh, and Bernie, we haven't met, but I've got to say you're right on point with what we're seeing with our clients. That if you don't if you don't step up and get into social media, you don't get – if you've got a business and you're not developing uh, applications for the iPhone, I think you've got an issue. If you're not on LinkedIn, if you're not having those conversations, I think you've got an issue. And I think, quite frankly, if you're not going to do it, you ought to sell. Okay? If, if you're not going to take it to that next generation, you're, you're going to be left behind. And so I, I, that's what we find. We're a CPA firm. We work with uh, thousands of small businesses. And, uh, you know, we, you know our, our – our expertise is is helping them improve their bottom line, and uh, you know this is the one thing we see is that you you know you want to you want to improve your bottom line. Number one has to be marketing, and uh, and social media, social marketing, and internet marketing is 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 really the only thing, the, the primary marketing that's making sense right now. Yeah, I, I completely uh, agree, and, and from a from a finance perspective. Um, and I and I completely agree with all that. Social media is here to stay, and the millennials have a hand on it, a, a handle on it, and and the older generations have to get a grasp. The finance companies, especially alternative finance companies, are using social media and a restaurants' reputation, reviews, social media. How many likes do they have? How many bad reviews do they have on Yelp? All of these platforms. They're using them to judge the business. They're using it as part of underwriting, and, and that's starting to grow. And the technology available to finance companies to help make decisions on whether or not to lend money or finance money to, to the small business owners, um, the technology of gathering this information is, is, is drastically improved over the past year or two, and it's becoming even more automated. So social media is, you know, by far, in 2015, going to be one of the best ways to generate customers and to spread the word and to decrease your cost of marketing, of, of attaining a new customer. Um, but it's, it's, you know, social media is also going to play a role with underwriting for many different types of financing when the business owner needs it. Well, well, and, and if it I could, this is, if I can just jump in real quick here, this is Tom again. You don't have to learn it. I mean, I'm I'm one of the old guys. I'm I'm a baby boomer. Um, you hire you hire millennials. Uh, when when we went out for a marketing director, I instructed our recruiter to not look. I didn't want to talk to anybody over thirty. Mm-hmm. There's a reason. I I don't want to learn it. I I, I I that's really not something I want to be learning. I want them to learn it. I want, but you have to give them the authority for it. And a, a lot of, uh, I think, a lot of business owners have a tough time letting go of that, but they they need to. Or the tools have to be so automated that you don't necessarily have to learn it. You just have to apply the tool. So they right. all use QuickBooks. Right. They all use Excel. So if the tool can be simplified enough. That's, again, what our premise was, to build a simplified tool so you don't have to learn that. You just have to be able to be able to – if you can use QuickBooks, you can use our tool. And that's, that's but, one of the differences. So go ahead. No, Bernie, identify yourself. And please, each of you, uh, the next time you talk, tell us your name and your company again so people can uh, 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 learn more about you. Sure. It's Bernie Perrine, P-E-R-R-I-N-E. 
at socialcentive with a V dot com. So, Steve, tell us a little bit again about yourself. I'm uh, Steve Friedman, and I'm at Littler Mendelssohn. We are the uh, largest firm in the world that specializes, or a law firm, specializing solely in employment work, uh, labor, and employee benefits. And with respect to the new workforce, obviously we're seeing a tremendous amount of things going on in social media. Another factor that we're seeing in the past few years that we haven't seen before, just to shift this conversation a little bit, but, you know, talking about new things that we're seeing is robotics. And that has a tremendous potential impact on the future workforce. Um, You know, social media is enormous. We think this is another enormous potential factor down the road to really change things in ways that we can't see. I, I have to tell you, Bernie, I'm a, uh, I'm a member of the board of the uh, National Robotics Education Foundation, and I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, uh, education, there are 150,000, I'm sorry, uh, 250,000 jobs right now uh, unfilled in the robotics industry, and it'll double each of the next three years. So uh, you're you're absolutely right. Uh, Mark, just tell us, you've been a little quiet. Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm enjoying uh, enjoying this conversation, and, uh, um, you know, I'm glad to be part of it. My name is Mark Lowenstein, Director of Marketing for Merchant Cash and Capital, and we finance small and medium-sized businesses throughout the U.S., uh, known as alternative business financing. Well, um, we're getting towards the close of our show, so um, I'll I'll throw out, what do you think will be the, um, uh, before we do, I'll throw this one out. Anybody want to comment on the fact of what's happening with oil today and how it impacts small business uh, or, or the economy in general? Um, th- th- this is Tom, uh, and I, I, we deal with a lot of oil and gas, uh, from, both from an investor standpoint um, and, and from a business standpoint. Um, I would think when Steve uh, uh, Friedman early on was talking about uh, unemployment uh, that is unexpected, I, I got to believe some of that has got to be in the oil sector. Um, but I, I've got to believe that uh, it, it seems to me like overall it's a positive to the U.S. economy. Uh, we all know that consumers don't save. They, they spend their money, and the more money they have in their pocketbook from not spending it on, on um, gasoline, they're going to spend it on something else. And so from that standpoint, it's very positive, and certainly lower prices, oil prices help um, in industrial you know, industries as well. Um, so from that standpoint, it's very positive. What, what I think um, coming down the road is going to be interesting is in this tax reform, the uh, proposals that we're looking at. You know, oil and gas is the is the best tax shelter in the U.S. right now. It is the the last real tax shelter um, for somebody put they they put a hundred thousand dollars in, they could get an eighty thousand dollar deduction the very first year. And whether that will continue is going to be an interesting dialogue between uh, Mr. Obama and the uh, and the Republicans. And, and this is Mark Lowenstein again from Merchant Cash Capital. I just I, I agree with 
with what Tom said. Um, I, I believe the estimate is somewhere a, a cost savings for for the average consumer around $865 over the next 12 months if gas prices remain, you know, or, or dip down and just a little bit lower. That's a tremendous amount of money to put in, you know, the consumer's pocket. And you got to believe that a large chunk of that's going to go to the small business owners. And, and you know, I, for one, uh, really looking forward to that as a consumer and a, a business finance company. And, and this, Steve Friedman, you know, I, I agree with everything that, that's been said. You know, the interesting thing is, you know, we, we have been seeing a good deal of layoff activity, but, you know, you, you have to take into account that the, the layoff activity that we're seeing was probably formulated months and months ago. And who knows whether something like these lower oil prices will put a shot in the arm of the economy where we'll then see, you know, some of these same businesses perhaps getting healthier as the economy as a whole gets healthier. And, you know, we're always dealing with um, impacts that, uh, you know, sort of lag the, the, the economy or lead the economy. And so, you know, it, it, it's interesting what we're seeing today, which was the fruit of something that, 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 that may have happened to business conditions a quarter ago or two quarters ago, and how that will impact the, the, the employment situation um, in, in the future. I happen to agree. Someone told me that for every penny we drop uh, in, in gas at the retail level, we, we, sent, we add a billion and a half dollars to the economy. Uh, and I thought the figure was low, but... Uh, um, but it is interesting. We're getting to to the end of the hour, and I, I'd like each of you. Uh, this is a question I always ask. Um, uh, in 2015, what do you think will be the uh, the single greatest factor that may affect small business in 2015? And uh, I'll I'll start with Tom, if you don't mind. No, I don't mind at all. Thank you. Um, well, I, I have a bit of a one-track mind. Uh, I, I actually think uh, taxes. W- I, I think taxes are the single biggest factor in any business owner, and the reason is is because it's your biggest single expense. I mean, outside of you know wages, it's going to be your single big, biggest expense is your is uh, is taxes. And I think tax reform um, or the lack of it or whatever they do with it is going to have a huge impact. I mean, when you look at just the extenders bill, I mean, you look at the 179 deduction, you go from a $25,000 deduction to a $500,000 deduction. Well, $500,000 deduction to a small business owner, that's potentially $200,000 of cash in their pocket. So we're not talking about, uh, you know, a penny uh, on, on gasoline. We're not talking about $865. We're talking about $200,000 simply by changing that rule. If they make it permanent, it has a, a much bigger impact because anything they make permanent allows you to predict what you're going to do, and you can actually plan over the plan down down the road. So I think I actually think that anything that anybody does from a tax planning standpoint is going to have a bigger impact on their bottom line than outside of perhaps marketing, which I would say is neck and neck with with taxes um those are the two biggest issues because one's your biggest expense and one's your biggest revenue source 
Well, that gives a great uh, uh, segue into Bernie. Uh, you just got a big plug. So, what do you think? Well, obviously, I have my bias as well. But I would, I would almost up level it again and say the single biggest issue that will face small businesses in 2015 is the complexity of all of these things we're talking about. And Don, you did a good job in bringing a varied set of folks together. But it's how do the business service providers simplify their offering? to make it more easily understood to the small business owner that can look at all of those things, whether it's social media marketing, whether it's taxation, whether it's lending, all of those things and make it simple. So it's our job as business owners, as CEOs or partners, to be able to make it simplified for that small business. I think that that morass of confusion is going to be the biggest challenge facing the 2015 SMB. Uh, Steve, your thoughts? Well, you know, it, it's hard to disagree with uh, the things that have been that, that have been said. Um, you know, when we have our eyes from you know looking firmly at the Affordable Care Act, and I think that that has had an outsized impact on business, um, not necessarily because of the cost, but because of the fear that business has that by presenting these new costs uh, in, into the business environment that competitiveness will be affected, that the whole um, way of doing business gets turned on its head a little bit, almost like, you know, social media, but in a very different way. Um, and and the Affordable Care Act has really, we've done some polling. Businesses are extraordinarily uh, afraid of how this is going to impact them because it is a brand new um, levy that they haven't seen before. And unlike things that, that, that affect the economy, like tax rates and other things where sort of a rising tide lifts or, or, um, or uh, lowers all ships, with the Affordable Care Act, often the business feels like it's alone because it, it's going to be impacted in a way where it knows you know, how profits are going to be affected. And the guy down the street might be um, completely dealing with it differently and finding different strategies and and so there is this big, big outsized fear that exists because of that. So, you know, I'm not saying that's the be-all and end-all, but that's a piece that I, I think is definitely a, a big part of business thinking these days, for better or for worse. And, Mark, you get the last word on that. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, you know, looking forward to 2015 and, and this from the from the small business owner's perspective, I think there's a with historically low interest rates and, and access to alternative financing, recent IPOs in the alternative business financing sector, I think we're going to see tremendous growth in the alternative finance space. I think more small business owners are going to take advantage of financing in 2015 as the thoughts of, of increased uh, um, interest rates are, you know, are, are sort of looming. I think more business owners are going to take advantage of that and use the financing for very positive reasons like marketing, expansion, and growth, and enhancing their businesses and building their businesses and taking advantage of the consumers having more cash in their pocket because of lower gasoline prices. And, and I think it's a very positive outlook for 2015. Uh, and Mark, if people wanted to reach you or your company, how did they do it? They can go to merchantscashandcapital.com, and they could view some information on our website. They can look us up on Facebook or LinkedIn, 
and uh, we've got people standing by 24 hours a day. What's the number? 212-545-3180. We'll go back. Bernie, uh, how can people reach you your company? At socialcentive.com, S-O-C-I-A-L-C-E-N-T-I-V.com. And I find it interesting that all of us, even though we're more mature in our careers, are still referring back to our Facebook or Twitter or LinkedIn pages. Uh, Steve, how can people reach you or your company? Well, I'm reachable in New York at um, 212-583-2687. And on the web, we're Littler, L-I-T-T-L-E-R, dot com. And finally, Tom? Uh, you can reach us at uh, the easiest place is taxfreewealthadvisor.com, taxfreewealthadvisor.com, um, and uh, or you can call us at 866-467-5809, 866-467-5809. Uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you all for, for what I think was a very interesting article, uh, hour, and I hope uh, uh, to, to invite you all back another time. And I thank you for your patience and uh, for sharing so much good information. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. Good luck. Thank you for listening tonight. All of our guests are invited because they offer actionable advice to our audience. They do not pay to join us, but rather demonstrate their capacity for helping our audience add profits. Thank you for listening, and we'll be here again next week with other experts to talk about ways to improve your profit picture. Remember, we're here every week at blogtalkradio.com slash smallbusinessdigest. If you like what you heard today, tell others about our efforts. If you would like to be a guest or suggest topics for future hours, email me at info at smallbusinessdigest.net That's info at smallbusinessdigest.net We would also like to remind listeners that besides our radio efforts, Small Business Digest comes to you via the web, through our video channel, and in our magazine. You can subscribe for any or all of these by going to smallbusinessdigest.net at smallbusinessdigest.net. Thank you, and have a good day.